Welcome everyone to the Leader Next Door podcast, where we find leaders from all walks of life and find out their secret strategies for success. New episodes are released every Thursday. Sit back and enjoy the show. When you said you use the Italian and you are Italian? Well, <laughs> Italian-American, my grandparents uh, grew up out there and then they came out, out here. And so I'm I have some of that culture, but yeah, I get a little, <laughs> yeah, a little into when I start speaking a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny because some people, you know, when they talk, they don't use their hands at all. But I, I use my hands sometimes, but it doesn't seem to really get in the way. Do you think that's like an Italian American thing? Like, is that a known thing to use your hands? Is that I something? Think, <laughs> you know, I think so. I think sometimes, you know, just being like animated, where you know, we have those kind of genetics. I think yeah. where it just seems to fall in line, and we just—it's just almost accepted that that's you know. Sometimes we get a little too in it. We got to be like, calm down. Just <laughs> yeah, it's a way to like portray a story, or to I don't know, to be able to help get your point across some in, in some ways. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you have me thinking everything I say, I want to use my hands. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, um, but that is something that, it's funny, that's something that um, I learned along the way is like teaching and talking to people. It's like gentle hand gestures are, I didn't make that term up. That's what I learned. But that's like, it's it makes it like almost, it, it makes you more listenable or makes you more like appealing to, I, I don't know. It, make, it does something. Yeah, I'm thinking of, you know, good storytellers have yeah. have that. They are able to get animated. And one of the things that can draw you in is somebody that's passionate into what they're doing. If they're passionate, they're using their hands, they're yeah. moving around. You do have some of that, definitely. I wish I would have said it like that much better than the way I said it. <laughs> um, so today, I'm here with a friend of mine, Anthony. Uh, I, just, I don't know, maybe just give us a little introduction to who you are and... Um, I guess, uh, how, how we know each other. Yeah. So my name's Anthony Adamucci. I am currently a science teacher over at Happer Horsham High School. Oh, that's a good school. Yep. Your good things about it. And I got an awesome coworker in Jim Shields. (laughs) He's all right. (laughs) Who (laughs) we have sometimes crossed paths and more so we've crossed paths more this year, which has been a really cool opportunity for me. And, you know, we have so many teachers at our school with so many different passions and interest and uh it's been a neat experience and i've been here at happer horsham now six years wow okay um i remember it's funny because i guess i've been there i think 20 years and it's weird to say that but i there's so many teachers that come and go and it's just such a big building and i'm sure a lot of people face this or whatever but i mean there's people that i don't know i'll see people and i'm like ah man that's that stinks i do not know who that person is and then some people will come for a year or two or three you never get to know them, and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, missed opportunity. But I, I, I remember um, early on in your starting at the high school, I, I, honestly, I don't remember the situation, but there was an opportunity for people to go outside and, and do some like fire building and survival stuff with me. I don't know if it was like an in-service day. I have no idea. But I, at that point, I didn't know who you were. And I was right. like, I think Mr. Baker came out. I forget even who was there. And yep. And you were out there, and I was like, I don't like, I don't know, who's this guy? And I'm like, but not in a bad way, but right, I was right. like, he's. But I remember thinking, like, man, you're like a genuinely curious kind of dude, and you were just pleasant to be around. I was like, oh, that guy's pretty cool. And ever since that was like my, they say like first impressions. I had mm-hmm. a great first impression of of you as a person, and I always thought that was, um, you were just like 
you're just into it. And I'm like, oh, this is cool, man. Someone actually likes what I'm doing. This is fun. Like sometimes students even do that, but not too often. <laughs> I've always had a curiosity for the outdoors and I've always been passionate about it. I find that like my safe place. I love going out there. And I think it was Chris Baker, you know, who is a anatomy teacher at our high school, told me that you were going to be out there. And it was my first year teaching there. Yeah. And what you were doing. And I had never heard of a class that at the high school, you know, mountaineering and back. I'm like, how cool is that, that someone is doing that? I got to get out there yeah. and see you guys, you know, how to start the fires and get the shelter going. And uh, <laughs> I love, I soak that stuff up. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just, you know, it goes with me with fly fishing and what I do and being out there as a hobby of mine. So I just felt like I got to get out there. That was my first time meeting you and yeah. seeing you, you know, in action. It's <laughs> awesome. Now I remember that day. So that's like the, the first time we crossed paths and that was probably what's, what is it now? 2023. Yeah. So are we talking like 16? Yeah. Or something? 2016. 2016. Now, how old are you? I am 38 years old. You're 38. Yep. And I know that you, you know, so if you do a little math, like you started at like 32 years old, probably 31, 32 at the high school. Um, you weren't really born even in Pennsylvania and you didn't grow up, grow up around here, right? Nope. I grew up 3000 miles away. I was born in San Diego. And then when I was about sixth or seventh grade, my parents moved out to the desert in Temecula. And so I went out there to Temecula. It was, um, they could afford a bigger house. It was mm -hmm. more out in the desert and, uh, it's a cool little place. There's wineries out there. It's, um, I think it means sun shining through the mist. It's, uh, it's hot. It's, but you got mist in the morning. It's a, a cool little place. So I then grew up out there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, most people, <sighs> I mean, if you talk to anyone that's living in, I don't know, Montgomery County, Bucks County, you know, oftentimes people are trying to head west and to go end up in San Diego. And you started there and ended up here, which is like, that's okay. But some, I, I think some, <laughs> maybe you hear this from other people, but do sometimes people like, feel like sad for you or think that something maybe is wrong with you or yes. why you want to be here like no, I love it here but I don't know how do you what do you get from people all the time and I get it from parents I get it from students and I have friends and they're like and they find out I'm from California and their first question is man what are you doing here yeah and it's funny because I love it out here and I tell them a little bit about the traffic and I did I lived in LA for six years after college and I did all that and I talk about how I love being outdoors and I love fly fishing. I love yeah. rivers. Well, the geography and topography out there, we don't really have a lot of water or rivers in Southern California. Yeah. And I always liked that part of it. And so we always were ready for some kind of change. Yeah. And when an opportunity came up to come out here, I was like, pack up the car, let's go. And we drove across the country at the time with my wife, wife at the time. And we drove across and came out here to Philly and started a new adventure, a new chapter. Wow, that's crazy. So really, it was like, and I do want to talk to you about your fishing and all that mm -hmm. uh, a little bit later. But I mean, that was like a main part of why you wanted to come out here. Yes, yes, yeah. I wanted, yeah. I wanted to change. And LA life, which I loved, I moved to LA when I was twenty three, and I was right there in Santa Monica, right on Third Street, right by uh, Westwood, um, and by the UCLA area. And I loved it in the beginning, but the traffic and just trying to get groceries and yeah. just the density. And it even made me more yearn for the outdoors and more yeah. to just, I needed space and just, I was not a big city person. Yeah. Well, I, I, I did want to ask you, um, 
you know, growing up, you said you moved to Temecula in seventh grade? Yeah, it was about seventh grade, I want to say. Yeah. So you were like in the city of San Diego for the first up until then? Yes. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I have a few questions about like growing up in the West Coast on the West Coast in San Diego, um, specifically like middle school and high school, because you're a high school teacher now. So I'm curious, like, how does it, like your experiences as a student versus the student experience of like a school that we work at? Anything stand out? Because I feel like, I don't know, I could, I could mention things that I think I notice, but I'm curious to get your take on that. Well, a couple of the biggest things I've noticed is one, our schools are all outdoors and to me that was just normal there was no like in california in california yeah there was because we didn't have snow we didn't have crazy weather in fact when it would rain we would just start celebrating oh my gosh we got crazy weather going on (laughs) (laughs) and when i came out here i noticed all the schools in like one big huge building is you know what i mean it's like you're inside and you have to be because of the snow and all that so that was a huge difference of when i came out here and noticed that's a little thing but it was interesting to see that when you say outside like what do you mean they were outside (laughs) yeah like because you would have more like you know wings of buildings but there was no just one big building encompassing it all so you know in our school we have at Happer Horsham we have the science wing yeah we have the math wing but they would be you would walk outside to get to them separate buildings they're separate buildings yes like that Mm -hmm. that's um not probably not too far from there, but um, I was out at oh, what is it called? Um, Cal Baptist University. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's in um, what's the name? Riverside. Yes. And a couple of years ago, actually, it was like literally like two days before the pandemic started. And I, I remember that, like going from building to building, beautiful outside sun, all that stuff. It mm-hmm. was it was really nice. Um, what about more of the like I don't know attitudes or I mean a lot of people just say well kids are kids you know and and there's a lot of truth to that but. Are there different kind of like, I don't know, morals or is it like different kind of attitudes? Do you know that? And I know it's hard because you were a student then and you're a teacher here. So your perspective obviously is different. But I was just curious if you notice anything. Not, you know, what's funny is not really. And it is it is funny the different in, in terms of kids are kids. Yeah. And I'm seeing even in California, and I taught a little bit out there. I taught in Los Angeles in a school district that was very similar to Hapro Horsham in terms of um, socioeconomic status, demographics. And there is so many similarities that I've seen from, uh, (laughs) you know, just kids being kids in high school and how they learn and how they go about things that there is a lot of um, things that can apply to both. And there's minor differences I see, but at the end of the day, they're kids trying to find their way. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I found out when I, um, I when I worked for like Link Crew and the Boomerang Project, not not a lot. I mean, I would just go out there here and there a couple times a year, and um, they they said something to me because they're based actually in, in Santa Cruz, but they do a mm-hmm. lot of their trainings in Temecula, which was the first time I ever was introduced to Link Crew. So I always had a connection with you because you're like Temecula. I'm like, what? That's right. I never heard of that place. I ended up going there, and now you're from there. It's kind of cool. But um, they talked to me about my. They're like, man, you have a strong accent. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, I don't have an accent. Mm-hmm. And I guess I do uh, compared to um, being a West Coaster. And I have noticed my friends on the West Coast definitely speak a little differently than than I do. A little like, 
I don't even know how you would say it. It's just different. And I know that, you know, the, the Philly accent is there and there's certain things that people say around here. Did anything stand out to you when you first moved out here of like, what's Wooder or like anything like that? Yes. And a lot of the names. So, um, Schuylkill River. Schuylkill. That was a crazy one. And then <clears throat> Reading. I was saying it reading. <laughs> so funny. There were so many things I was saying. I was like, how do you, what, how do you say? And then even earlier, I was like, Nishamini Creek. Did I say that right? Yeah. You said that as we, you just came over <laughs> my house. And I think I passed the, how do you say that? Nishamini. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, so it's not crazy. It, I grew up with it, so I know it, but. And I've learned different terms too. Uh, John, I, 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 you know, I never heard of these terms until I came out here. It's so cool to see different cultures, you know, yeah. and stuff. And even in, we live in the same country, but there's different cultures that, and even in California, we say a lot of hella. That's hella great. That's hella cool. Oh, really? We, we do that a lot, but I don't notice it a lot out here. Yeah, it's, it's I've just heard differences. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's um, I, I think that I, I think the friends that I have like from California seem to pronunciate a little better. <laughs> I don't know. We we seem to. I don't even know what you call it. Just blend things. Then it's, yeah. Right. But John. Um, is, has John taken off? Because that's been around for a while. I mean, I, I don't use it personally. Students obviously use it a lot, young people. Um, it might be a young, a young man's term. But um, is that something that you've seen outside of this area or pretty much no? <laughs> yeah, no. I, I would say more of this city. I've noticed it. But like there are still some people out here that say it. I'm just kind of like, what? What is that? And I, it's something that is a thing, I guess. It's just a general term that yeah. I learned. And being, I always do that. Well, I'm from California. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And so I would just have to do something like that to see. But yeah, there was like terms like that that you learned when you come out here. Yeah. So you you know you you went through high school you graduated high school um, at that point when you finished high school were you ever was it ever in your head to um, head out east or did that kind of come a little bit later I mean did, were you into the fishing even in high school as a young man No not really I was a um, really into sports I did track and cross country in high school and then I wanted to be a scientist I had a curiosity mm-hmm. and I liked you know being outdoors I ran outdoors and did all that but. More so, I wanted to be a scientist, and that was my thing. I never wanted to go into teaching, and yeah. I loved San Diego. I wanted to do that, and yeah. went to UC San Diego and started college down there. What was it like in high school? You said you ran track and field. Were you? Did you do cross country? Were you? Did you specialize in any events? Like, how was your, how was your time as a track runner? How did you do? I was a long distance guy. Um, before that, in middle school, I did all kinds of sports. I loved sports. I loved the competition of it. I loved the camaraderie of the teammates. I feel a lot of my learning has come from playing sports as a kid. I did baseball, football, basketball, soccer, and I wasn't really great at any of them per se. I wasn't horrible. I was just always, like coach always be like, oh, you're such a hard worker. You're a good teammate. (laughs) I I got that talk. Yeah, you got those awards. Yeah, I got those awards. And I went into ninth grade and didn't make the basketball team, of course. Yeah. You know, definitely was not playing football, didn't have the body type for that. And I said, well, let me do cross country to stay in shape. And I was always good at running because I did them in sports and I had a natural body type for that. And I thought to myself, what if I did a sport that I'm a little bit more in tune to with my body type yeah. and I love sports and I love running. And so I kind of took off from there and really started getting faster and 
ran two times a day, did the whole cross country, long distance and track and the mile and did all that. And it was really cool. Yeah. How did you, um, fair? Did you, did you run in college? Did you do really well? Did you, were you average? I mean, how would you rate yourself? I I have no idea. With the help of my teammates, I got really, I got really good. We were definitely having a really good year. And in the mile time, I got all the way down my senior year to 421. That was my last, my last race in high school, which I really loved at that point. And it was really cool to get down to that, being that fast. I remember my buddy and I, we would do workouts and we were going laps around the track, which is 400 meters. We would go around in like 60 seconds. I was in yeah. great shape to oh, do wow. that. That's crazy. And it was such a cool moment. But after my high school and getting that time, I was kind of ready for the next chapter. I don't know what it is. I was yeah. kind of ready to move on into something else. And I wanted to go to UCSD. I wanted to pursue science. I wanted to go in that sort of way. So I didn't run in college. I was ready for something else after that. I was kind of burnt out a little bit because I tried so hard. It gets tougher and tougher as you get faster and faster to increase your time. Yeah, that's impressive. I think somebody kind of wanted to dig into that a little bit because I recently had Brian DeCola on the podcast who is a state champion cross-country runner. And I don't know, I don't even know if you've taught him. Um, do you know him? I do a little bit through through Minithon. He came in and came to the Minithon event last okay. year, and we were talking a little bit. And one of his buddies was in my class, and he had mentioned, you know, we were talking times, and he, yeah. I guess he had looked me up or something on the internet, <laughs> and so I, he had me and knew what I had done. And so I talked to Brian DeCola a little bit, and it's just amazing to hear these times. And I listened to his podcast. It was so yeah, cool to great. see what these kids are doing now in terms of their training and how yeah. they're able to get so fast. It's it's really cool. Well, it's funny because I did have one other kid on the podcast too who I taught years ago, ran for Villanova and he had he broke the the 4 minute mark. Unbelievable. I don't know. I mean, Unbelievable. he's he's doing like I think he's I think the Olympic trials are his goal or, or something like that. He's running for Under Armour, a kid named uh, Casey Comer. I guess he's not a kid now, but you probably just missed him. Maybe you knew his younger brother, Devin Comer. You might have just missed him too. I don't remember. Yeah, the name sounds familiar. And I remember when I was running, we had some really good runners in the country at that time. We had Ryan Hall, Alan Webb, and they really started getting the running bug back again and getting people back into it because they broke four minutes wow. in the mile in high school. That's I want to say I know Alan Webb did, and we were all watching that, and it really kind of took off. And yeah. I feel like they kind of pioneered it and started the whole thing, and now there's a lot of people running those fast times to yeah. show that it's possible and you could do that. And I yeah. remember Ryan Hall, was he ran up at Big Bear High School, okay. which was the mountains up near me, and he would sometimes come down to our meets, and he was such a nice guy and super um, – at that point, just motivational to be like, yeah, you can do this. Yeah. And I feel like they kind of paved the way. And then people started getting better with the workouts and the training yeah. and away it kind of goes. Yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. Um, and you didn't run in college. You said you kind of needed, you want to do something different. Um, what You went to Santa Barbara University? No, uh, UC San Diego. San Diego. That's yep. what I meant. Mm-hmm. San Diego. So you didn't travel too far to go to mm-hmm. school. Um, and did you stay on campus? Did you live the four-year standard college life? Did you commute? Yeah, the first two years I lived on campus, and then the third and fourth year we were in like a um, house with like four or five guys outside of that. Yeah. So how would you sum up your college experience? I mean, did you love it there? Did you? Um, what new interests? What changed in your life in in those four years? It was a big change for me, and I always say it's a time to definitely find yourself, because I told you I wanted to be a scientist and do all that, and 
going through the classes and actually like getting into the lab, it wasn't what I thought it would be in terms of <laughs> for me, I'm such a personal guy and that kind of work is very much you're in your own little space and then you do collaborate with others, but you really got to find something that fits your personality, I think. And yeah. at that point, I was doing some coaching. I had loved sports, like I had told you, yeah. and I loved working with younger kids. I was um, doing some soccer and helping some younger kids with soccer. And I really enjoyed that. And I still love science, but I didn't want to be a scientist anymore. So I had a little <laughs> like college life crisis in terms of man, I'm already doing these classes and I don't want to do this. Should I quit? What should I do? Like, you <laughs> yeah, know, it's like that stressful. moment of, you know, you can change. You can change your your major. You can do different things. And so many people in their lives, you know, I read about, you know, people's lives and see how they've gone different paths mm -hmm. than what they've done and all the different things that they've done. And I said, well, maybe teaching's a thing for me, which is something I did not want to, did not want to do. Yeah. But, why why <laughs> did you know you didn't want to do it? Because you were so on the straight and narrow to be... Mr. Wizard or like the yes, lab code and you wanted to yes. discover things. And... I wanted to discover things and I liked learning. And so I knew that that was kind of a path that I was kind of going towards. Yeah. And so I thought that would be something for me. And then when I got into those classes and how minute and detail oriented they were, I was getting to a point where I was losing the big picture yeah. and it just wasn't for, for me necessarily. Yeah, you're like the best kind of teacher because like you could have easily gone that route and you're really <laughs> smart and all that, but you're like, man, I'm too like fun and personable to like be trapped in a basement, like testing, filling up a beaker and boiling it and then like writing a report. You don't get to communicate. Like I can, talking to you, seeing you interact with students, other people, like you're a fun person. You, you like to get out there, meet people, have a good time. Um, students love you. You're just... You can't, it's almost like when you have that, you can't waste that. And I hate to say that because like if you were a scientist, you wouldn't be, if you were a physician, whatever you ended up doing, you wouldn't be wasting it. But it's nice to see someone like you discover that about yourself and like say, I'm going to take all of these great pieces that I have and there is a place for me to do both. Yeah, I think I enjoy helping people and I felt like in science and doing the research, I wasn't feeling fulfilled in terms of helping people. And I really like doing that. I think I'm a people person. And I don't necessarily know about the smart thing. I didn't tell you about my grades in college, but <laughs> we won't go there. Well, we'll there will be a transcript available PDF on our website um, after this podcast for sure. But no, I'm kidding. I won't do that. <laughs> well, actually, that's, you know what? That's a great point because um, kids, students these days, um, probably in college too, but I hear so much about my grades, my grades, my tests, my grades, my grades. I get it. It's the gateway to the next step, whatever that's going to be. Um, but what I just question, like, I know there's a few students that really want to get into the MITs and the Harvards. Mm -hmm. but I don't, I'm not even sure why, I guess, because they're great academic institutions. Or, or is it like a badge of honor? Maybe a little bit of both. I'm not sure. But I just, it's a, it's a little hard for me to watch kids stress out so much about grades and it, it really I, I, what I've discovered is that and, and again I teach elective courses I'm not teaching high level AP classes and stuff like that but for from what I've noticed is they're not there's not a real strong connection for me between grading and genuine interest in learning or 
or learning in general. It's just like maybe a lot of kids just do it just to get the grade. And, and that yep. really bugs me. And it's like going back to someone like you who is so curious and all this, probably not driven as much by grades. Right. And I know so many people that are so successful that did horribly in high school and college. Right. Um, I also did horribly in high school and not so great in college. So talk to me about great. Like, what do you think is going on with grading? How important is it? And what's the future of that? You know, it. I, yes, they're important. And it's a little bit of our system. I don't necessarily blame the kids. Yeah. But we have this system set up where you get good grades and then that can fulfill you and then go into college. And they're important. You know, you need to take care of business. You need to do your work. Yep. But I, I've had those high-achieving kids and I've had to talk with them a little bit about look about what we're learning, look about what we're doing in science and look about the things and the concepts about how we're learning about the world. That is more important than the actual grade. So sometimes they get a B plus or a B and those high achieving kids, it's very, they're just about the grade. And so they need that. And then you have the other kids who have kind of just given up on the whole grade thing. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame because they're very smart mm -hmm. and they have a way of learning about the world, but they don't fit quite into the system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I battle that too as well. Like I feel like like if I had a kid like you in my class who was 15-year-old Jim Shields, yeah. and I was, well, the cool thing about science, so I'm teaching environmental science, I would try to engage a kid like you. And there's kids like you that come in, as you know, that come yeah. in and sit down and they're like trying to engage them and get them outside, see what they're passionate about get them to be take ownership of what they're doing and learning and what they love. Yeah. And that's sort of part of it. So grades is just like one piece, but I always think that we need to think of the bigger picture. Yeah. Yep. So the great perspective um and I don't know that there's an answer, but another another sort of teaching question. You know, you come in to a new school, um it's I always thought that had to be tough. Like nobody really knows you, and you're like, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. are, are my coworkers gonna like me? Am I gonna fit in? Are the students gonna like? How's it gonna go? You know. Right. And it seemed to go pretty well for you off right off the bat. Um, but even like, even people like you that are um, easygoing, positive, great attitudes, um, it's not always a a bunch of roses in class. Like sometimes there are issues or there's maybe a students or certain classes that are just not into it. How do you manage? Um, how do you try to manage that as a teacher? Like, yeah, you might have some kids that are interested, maybe half, I don't know. And then I'm not going to say half aren't interested, mm -hmm. but you never know. And these kids have so many things going on. Maybe they're not sleeping right, the issues at home. How do you as a teacher deal with that and still remain, try to remain positive? That's that's the art of it. That's the challenge of teaching. And it's always something that I'm working on and always something that I'm dealing with, with if I get frustrated yeah. because it is very challenging. I try to have a directive, a direct plan for the kids when they come in the class, they know what to do. Yeah. But then from there, I see how they go, and then I might then move around the classroom and talk to them a little more and see where they're at on their work. What can you give me? What can you do? Depending on, yes, they're going through all these things. They're going through different things that I can yeah. only imagine. Some of the stuff from their childhoods is, man, I was lucky. Yeah. I don't know how they're even coming into school and doing work. It's it's great. So I keep try to keep that perspective, and every once in a while I get frustrated, and 
you got to drop the hammer down. You got to then yeah. say, look, guys. And I try not to do it too much because then if I do become stern, mm-hmm. they know, well, that's not like Mr. Adamucci. Yeah. So if I can, if I do it too much, then it's like, well, Mr. Adamucci's just yelling again. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to be, it's got to be very, it's an art. It truly yeah, it is. is. You, yeah, know? you have to use it when you, when you need it. <laughs> yes. It's, um, yeah. Like it, it really, it really is an art because I, I don't think, you know, I am not judging what you do or I do. I don't know what I am or what you are, right. but I do know that I myself have been able to um, manage groups a lot better now than I could five years ago, ten right. years ago. Like yes. there's just these little things that you couldn't even explain to somebody coming in new because you see new teachers and and they don't have it, but neither did I. <laughs> right, and it's like. Ugh. I mean, there's definitely some people that you're like, I don't know if they if they're gonna ever get it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's okay too, because maybe they're pat, maybe they'll find their way. But it's fun when you kind of figure that out a little bit. It's almost like you crack the code. Um, but even though you crack the code, it still doesn't always go as planned, and and <laughs> you could still get irritated sometimes. I liked it because it's not an office job. It's yeah. not. It's different every day. And uh, when I tell my fiance Megan about you know, my day and she's a lawyer. She's like, wow, I can't relate to that. You know, it's just different. And every day you don't know, even though I have a lesson plan, you don't know what to expect. And yeah, me as a teacher 10 years ago or five years ago is so different. What's cool about teaching is you see it in yourself as you go through different life experiences and I've gone through different life experiences and we all have, you become a different teacher. You become different and you change and evolve and all that. So it's kind of cool to look back and I write a journal and a journal every night and every oh, once in a awesome. while I'll look back and see <laughs> yeah. and be like, wow, it's, you do change and through your life experiences. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say like, I give a lot of like who I am, who I've become. I owe a lot of that to students over the years mm-hmm. and classes. It really does shape who you are because the feedback that you get, on certain things, it's kind of like maybe pushes you to do a little more in a certain area. And I agree with that. Yeah, it's it's something. I mean, I've always go back and forth. And the relationship a teacher has with a student is, is sacred. It's something where you're trying to be real with the, ki- the kids. And the kids respect when you're real with them. Yeah. And when I've gone through experiences in my life and even some very tough experiences where I wasn't all there as a teacher... It changed for me when I told the kids what I was going through yeah. and said, this is what I'm going through right now. And to see 15 and 16-year-olds change yeah. like that, it was very eye-opening for me, yeah. you know, in that regard. Well, I know that, you know, I know you've been through a lot the last, I don't know, five, six years in that range. Um you know, you had a very, um, a story that, you know, I don't even know if you would want to mention anything about your story today, but I would, I would like to, you know, ask you about it. Um, you talked about being on the West Coast and then maybe driving out East, but mm-hmm. you, at the time you had a, a girlfriend or how did mm-hmm. that, do you want to run us through like the, the beginnings of that and how this Definitely. East Coast thing, like I, I, I can picture it now. You're just in that car driving out and it's just like, I don't know, if you could tell a little bit about that, the beginnings of that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I was living with my wife at the time. We met at UC San Diego, uh, Catherine Latola at the time, and we went to UCLA. She did a PhD program there. 
And after six years, I said, you know, we were ready. And she got a job out here at Johnson & Johnson as a scientist. She went the whole scientist route. She was the scientist. Yeah, she was like, the eh, scientist. I, yeah. <laughs> I kind of copied off her a little bit in yeah. class, you know, <laughs> to be honest. That's all right. I'll edit that out. Just kidding. <laughs> and so, yeah, we drove across out here on this new adventure. And we did a... Basically, we were like a year in, and we were enjoying, uh, we learned fly fishing, which is something we always wanted to do. And that's kind of when you got into that? That's when we got into fly fishing. Started out here? Started out here. Before that, I fished, but never fly fishing. And out here, we had the rivers, and we did a class together. Orvis uh, has classes. Where did you go? Where did you take the class? Uh, It's at Orvis and Plymouth Meeting at the mall there. Yeah. And on Saturday mornings, they have classes, and it's really cool. They start you right from the beginning, and you don't have to have any experience, and away you go on it and so that's from there that gave us a passion and something that we can do and it was really cool from that point on what made you point your finger on the map and say Horsham (laughs) like or did you or was it the Johnson and Johnson yes that brought you out here so it was Johnson and Johnson that brought us out here and then from there I was ready for a change I wanted to get out of the city so from there looking for jobs and Happer Horsham came calling and we went that route and that was about a year or two in at Happer Horsham, and I remember being on a hike with yeah. Catherine, and we were out on a hike doing that, and she keeled over in amazing pain. Like, I don't know what had happened yeah. and whatnot. And from there, we got very tough news because I we took her in, and yeah. they were first like, we think it's an ovarian cyst. Mm-hmm. We're not sure. They first looked at it, and it was a tumor that was down in her lower, and we were just in shock. I think we were like 31, 32 at the time. Yeah. I mean, never in your mind do you think that you're going to have to battle something like this and you don't no. think so young no. and it's thrown to you. And from there we saw, I saw Catherine go through the process of chemo, surgeries and all that. And it's, it's funny as she battled that, I was still teaching. Yeah. So that's where I was just trying to make it through teaching and then worried about Catherine and trying to go through that and trying to be a caretaker. It was a lot going on. Yeah. And from that point, and I think all in all, she went through, I was thinking about on the way here, she did six surgeries, Yeah. 22 chemo appointments, 22. And that just, you know, really ravages your body is trying to get that cancer and I saw in two years, and you, yes, it's awful, but we also had amazing times in those two years. Yeah, and I saw some of those like yeah. online pictures, and yeah, just I know I know that you did. Yeah, she threw a first pitch at the Phillies game. That's awesome. She uh, climbed. We went to Lake Tahoe, and she had some fluid in her chest still. We climbed uh, Squaw Valley, yeah, which is where they had the Winter Olympics in 1960. So it was inspirational for me to see someone go through something like that. And it made me realize that, yes, life is short, mm-hmm. but to seize and enjoy what you can. Yeah. And I remember after she passed and you're grieving and you're mm-hmm. going through all that, I knew I had to get away. And so I did a, I did a week in Bozeman, Montana. Yeah. I did a week in Taos, New Mexico. And yeah. no plan, just went out into the woods, the forest. I told you that the yeah. woods, the forest is something I always love. That's a connection I think you and me have too. Absolutely. I, you were showing me your backyard. I just, I love that stuff. <laughs> I have a feeling yeah. I'll be looking out there tomorrow and I'm like, who's that guy back yeah. there? Fishing rod. No, it's not. Yes, yes. I so it's just it. really cool. And um, yeah, she's taught me a lot. 
And yeah. I hope it helps me, I think, in the classroom. It's made me a better teacher. Yeah. I, I mean, thank you for sharing, um, you know, that whole story. And I know that, like, I don't know, man. When I think of it, it's just something that you went through and I'm, I don't know. Like, I look at it and think, what a, how do you, how did you handle that? And I would, I remember when you're in the middle of that and I'd be driving in the morning and, and see you walking in and I'm like, Christ, like, I it would, I almost, I almost like, I knew that you were in so much pain and so like, it was just so dark that I, and then I would see you, you know, posting pictures and you're happy. And I'm like, God, how does, how did you handle that? Because I know I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have been able to handle it like you did. And I, and I know that it, you know, you're a positive dude and you say, I'm sure there were times where it wasn't so happy. And yes, yeah, I, I, you, I don't know, man. I, I just like, like you said, you never think that that will happen to you and, and your loved ones. And, um, you know, it's just, Catherine helped lead the way for me because you get that diagnosis and you get knocked down, you know, and it, it happens. And she then one time after we were down for a couple days and didn't want to eat, didn't want to do anything. And she said, I don't want to stay like this. It becomes a choice. And I'm not saying that, you know, you need to be a 10 out of 10 on the happiness scale, you know, I've tried that and it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to be a 10 out of, no, yeah. you know, but you get to a point where you realize that life is short. Let me just try to enjoy this moment. And we kind of just went from there and she led, she was the one leading the way, you yeah. know, in terms of that for me. And when I saw her do the things that she did, did and uh, saw her connect with her, you know, cancer group and the connection she was still making in the life that she was still living and the experiences that we were still gathering. Yeah. It's like, we're still living and whatever happens is going to happen. And so that was a great lesson for me. And I could take that into the school and school became a little bit of a time to not think about it Yeah, and time to just forget the lesson plans. Let me just enjoy the kids and let me just teach a few things. Yeah. So that's sort of where that kind of came from. And I have to credit her because she, taught me a lot of that a lot of a, a lot of strength and just fighting and man it and I never I never got a chance to meet her but I feel like I met her through some of the things that you've said and some of the things that I saw online and I mean it's uh it really is it's a it's a really sad story but it's also like you you have a way of telling it as though it's almost like a happy story in a, in a sense of like enjoying the moments in life and learning in a in a, a very unique way to from someone who's you know going through all that like you learn you took those pieces from her and and, and transferred them into your life and I can't even imagine how much it helps the students that you teach and the things that you got to share with them from that experience yeah thank you you never think you can go through something like that and I think you mentioned well I couldn't go through something like that but you don't realize until you're there that you can. Like yeah. you don't realize what we're capable of until yeah. you're in that situation. Yeah. And you realize that you can do it and you're going to have times when you're down and that's okay and you kind of keep going and I got to thank too uh my grief counselor after she had passed because I was definitely lost and yeah. which is understandable and I would had feelings that were complicated you know and if we can do a mental health plug you know to just be like yeah you should you know be out to see especially when you're dealing with something like that that 
our brains can't really process something tragic like that. And yeah. I remember some of the feelings that I would have after she passed. I wasn't always sad, but sometimes I was angry. Sometimes I was frustrated. Sometimes I felt relief that she wasn't suffering anymore. Yeah. And I felt horrible feeling that way. Yeah. And to get mental health treatment and to hear, you know, a grief counselor that's someone's a professional and say, no, that's actually quite normal what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. That's that's okay to feel that way. Yeah. It was super helpful for me to have that. So I can't, you know, emphasize mental health enough in terms of we it there's a stigma and you know, but in terms sure. of people getting to a therapist and getting that help they need, I think is just so big to help them keep going forward. And it's helped me kind of which Catherine would want. She Catherine was very helpful and I want you to move on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she told me that. Permission. Yeah. You you need to move on. You're yeah. not gonna just sit here. And so I was like, uh <laughs> What a yep. saint! What a saint! Mm -hmm. um, that's uh, an incredible story. I mean, I I feel like I'm, I don't know. I, I, the the one question I do want to have is like when you're when you're kind of going through all that, and even you know after, unfortunately, she passed away. Like what? Did, and I know you said like all those emotions. Thank you for sharing all that that you're mm -hmm. going through. But it's hard also for people on the outside to to know what to do. Like, and I I feel I I. I would see you and almost feel ashamed that I'm not coming up to you, but I'm like, ah, I don't, wouldn't want anyone to talk. What do you, what, what was helpful for you with other people? Like, was that confusing too or complicated as well? I remember, uh, Catherine's uncle, uncle, uh, Dave Graves. And he, he just recently passed away from, uh, leukemia, I think. Oh, I'm and, to hear that. Yeah. But he had great advice for me and it's something that I sent just to his wife and, you know, she was in tears, but he said, one of the biggest things you can do is allow other people to help, which is hard to hard to do because yeah. you're trying to, you don't want to put everything. So there would be times when it's like, I needed to ask people for things, Yeah, you know? And when you start asking people for things, they're there. They're there to help. And uh, we would get meals. If I had to leave my classroom, other teachers would come in and help. Yeah. Uh, and when you start opening up a little bit about, this is what I'm going through, it becomes easier yeah. because you realize the goodness in people and it takes a village. It yeah. really does. So it allowed me to go off to the hospital when I needed to. And her support groups were so big. It's why I, I do uh, give a lot and do a run at every year for Unite for Her. Unite okay. for Her is a uh, charity group that helps women with breast cancer and ovarian cancer. And it's a, a great group and it's a great camaraderie that they have. And Catherine was big on it. It was really supportive. It makes it makes it easier when you have people in your corner. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, thanks for. I know that's that's a tough story mm -hmm. to tell. I mean, you know, I'm sure it ne it will never get easy, and it, again, still probably complicated. Um, but you know, as you said, you know, you you keep moving forward, and Catherine wanted you to sort of move on, and it seems like, you know, it's some time has passed, and it seems like you have. Um, a really cool life going on right now. You have, you're currently in a relationship and, and, and things are mm -hmm. going really good there, it seems. So, um, what are, what are the plans for, for the future of Mr. Edamucci? <laughs> so I could never script my last six years because no. it's <laughs> just like, could. I would never script. I'm looking back now and I'm just like, this is, you know, amazing. But I met, uh, Megan two years ago and I was just, 
you know, tired of being alone. And uh, I would go to the bar and, you know, sometimes watch Phillies games. Yeah. And I remember she came up and I knew if I got back with anybody, I would need someone that would be a special person that yeah. would give me grace and understand. And Megan just emanated this light. And I just remember first meeting her and how bubbly she was. Yeah. And I was like, that's why I needed somebody positive. Yeah. I needed somebody like that. And uh, I met her there and I remember I have I have no game whatsoever. Let's just put that <laughs> let's just put that out there. But I took a picture with my phone of of her and her friends and I gave it to her and said, Hey, put your number in. I'll send you the picture. And that's how I got her phone number. <laughs> Like you read that on like Instagram or something. I think I I don't yeah. know where I came with that, and from there the relationship really blossomed, and I fell in love again, and, which is, you know, amazing that here I am with Megan now, and uh, we live together, we're yeah. engaged, and pinch me, but we're also expecting we're expecting a little girl. So yeah, congratulations. New challenges coming on, and I guess being a father, I would have to figure it out i see you doing what you do and it's like i gotta figure it out <laughs> yeah, disclaimer i have no idea what i'm doing <laughs> as you're talking my dog was scooting on the carpet like dragging her butt on the ground there's noise upstairs i i don't i don't know where my one son is right i don't know i'm not that good at it. also i didn't deal with um my wife and i didn't really deal with babies so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. good luck i have zero advice for you there <laughs> i i remember you know my mom and dad telling me like love love is all you need at the end of the day and i see that here in your house you know what i mean like if you go from there and you know and you figure it out and so we're gonna have to give ourselves grace to you know yeah (laughs) i think that's such a good grounding point like i know so many times as like a a parent my wife and i would just like think you know are we doing the right things or you know is this the most important thing or we have to have this discipline and structure and sometimes maybe we're too disciplined but it's like at the end of the day you know, I, I know when I was a kid, like my just growing up with pretty much just my mom, um, I know she didn't have it all figured out, but mm-hmm. she always gave me love. And I and I felt that and I knew that I knew what that was and I knew how to give that to others. And it was like probably one of the best gifts that I was ever able to get. Like, yeah, I didn't do my homework and I don't even know if my mom was that interested in that. Um, I wasn't a bad kid, didn't get in trouble, but like she showed me how to love because she loved me. So I think you saying that is, right. is such a key. Like your parents taught you that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, when shit hits the fan and it's not working out, just, you know, just showing love is, is, um, is yeah, I, I try to keep that in mind. Cause I, you know, people, you know, my parents would be like, yeah, we weren't perfect. And I'm like, nobody is, you know, you're going to make mistakes. And yeah. so it was, uh, a cool journey and it's a next chapter in my life. And, uh, yeah, away we kind of go, you yeah, know. <laughs> away we go. Um, Megan, um, your current fiance, what is what type of law does she practice? If you're able to talk about it, yeah, um, she does a lot of medical malpractice, and okay. then she does small claims as well. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, medical medical malpractice is like when they operate on the wrong knee or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, those are the most stressful for her, and uh, those are the kind of ones where. Yes, there's something about something that has happened, and they look into that. She likes more of the small claims more. Yeah. They're a little bit more less stressful, and people can really get help with anywhere. The medical malpractice, there's a lot going on. It's yeah. a little bit, it's, it's tougher. So, you know, over this last seven, eight years, um, you know, your journey, mm-hmm. you've been through more, you've lived like, you know, 
three lifetimes worth of stress and happiness and, and trauma, and mm-hmm. you've been through a lot at a young age. What are what are some of like, or, or, or is there like maybe one thing that you take with you, or if you really look at the whole situation that you kind of went through, is there something that, you know, if you had to give maybe a piece of information that you didn't really know before all that, that you would pass on to others. Like, and I know you talk, you already dropped like six things, but I'm just wondering if like, when you think about the whole thing, what's a takeaway that you have to, to move on or, or what could you pass on to other people to like, that, that maybe they could find helpful. I, I really think that when I get anxious about something or worried about something, I think back to my past experiences and really feel like things will work out at the end. And you know, you always say that and you're like, you know, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But things do find a way to work themselves out. And if you have that trust and belief at the end, we don't know how it's going to (laughs) go. You know, my life, your life, you don't know how it's going to go. I know. But you just kind of go through and you look at it more as Catherine said, when she was going through her treatments, it's a journey. So you'll hear me say that a lot. It's yeah, a journey, yeah. or it's the next chapter. It's yeah. the experience of life. And so that is more of my general sort of philosophy that I try to take. And when I find myself getting nervous, frustrated, I have to then go back and kind of reset and okay. do that with myself. And I find myself doing that, you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, that that seems to be like a pretty helpful tip. I, I feel like I need to do more of that myself and reset. Um, you, you know, you sit down and you look like, all right, well, let's see, I'll retire when I'm 60 and I'll, um, this is exactly how this is going to happen. This one's going to go to college. This one's going to go military. This one, it, it, I just, it just never works like that. <laughs> Megan <laughs> really. and I were laughing, Megan and I, cause we were stressing about, wait, baby's going to be born in two months. We don't have any diapers. <laughs> <laughs> we had a little, little stressful panic moment. Like we don't have anything. What are we doing? <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't even know. I, I'm sure you know. I have lots of friends that have, have had lots of children. I, I don't. I don't even know where to start. I never went through that. So you'll figure it out. I'm yeah. sure there's some website if no one helps you. A- amen. Amen. Um, I wanted to ask you. Just give me a sec. Um, I love. I love your whole like fly fishing thing, and and it's funny because like I am. I am definitely an outdoorsman. I love the outdoors, but there's certain things that I'm obsessed with. And there's certain things when I tell people that I dislike and have no interest in, they're always a little surprised. And fishing is one for me. I hate it. I mm-hmm. just don't like it. Um, I was even somewhat exposed to it as a kid with my mom, um, even a little bit with my dad. And I just never, it never like, I just never caught on. But um, would you say that you're like, you're fly fishing and the fishing that you like to do now, would you say that it's a fun hobby? There's a border on obsession. Uh, what what kind of like goals do you have or what types of things do you want to get into next or where do you want to, f- like what is your whole philosophy of like what you want to do with fishing? It's a fun hobby for me. It's a release for me. It's my place of peace where I go and it's where I'll also do my thinking. Yeah. Um, I know the outdoors, I, I think you even mentioned to me too, like you like to mountain bike and yes. that's where you get a lot of your ideas. And I know yep. you've gotten some Absolutely. cool ideas doing that. Yeah. So fishing. Uh, as soon as we're done here today, I will be out there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Sorry. And you know, that's sort of where, you know, fly fishing came to me and I like fly fishing better than fishing. I do like the whole bait fishing and you throw it in there and you sit and you kind of wait, but fly fishing, especially walking up and down a river. Yeah. 
you're exploring that river and you're looking at areas where you think a fish might be. So your mind is just into that. You're not thinking about necessarily anything else. I like that. And so it's really cool. And you're throwing your fly in different areas and it's an imitation fly. So it is a fly in the natural life cycle of the fish. Yeah. And when they go for it, it's the coolest thing because you made them think it was a fly and they attack it. Yeah. And it's a really neat thing. And even if I don't catch any fish, I just explored the whole day and went up and down this trail. Yeah. It's really cool in that regard. It's funny because I did Montana and New Mexico and I do these trips. People come back, how many fish did you catch? And I'm like, it's not necessarily about catching fish. Yeah. But it's, uh, they're like, you went fishing though. <laughs> what do you mean? It's, but it is about catching fish, but it's not about catching fish. Yeah. It's about just being outdoors and being out there. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I have my one of my really good friends, Bob. Well, Bobby is um he's an avid fisherman, fly fisherman. And um I don't know what the dog's doing. You okay? Um she gets antsy. But anyway, um yeah, he's he's way into it. I have so many friends that are like super into it. But he introduced me to this guy um named Carl who I I'll mess this up. So if Carl, I'm sorry if you're ever listening to this, but um, he's somebody that I would love for you to like at least check out sort of what he does because it's really cool. Um, I think he was like head of fishing game or close to that in Pennsylvania for a while. And he's just a super cool dude. Um, just knows everything about fish, every species, whatever. Um, he moved out to Minnesota. Wow. And he's a full-time um, fly fishing guide. But he he goes all over the world and, and does these, you know, these trips and the 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 eye opening moment for me of how I realized like people people talk to him like the people that I know that are fishermen they talk about him like he's like he's God because mm-hmm. he knows everything he knows exactly where to go the the right bait to use the right fly for the exact moments I'm sure you're good at that too but you you probably know what I'm getting at mm-hmm. um, and years ago when I had the opportunity to um, get selected for alone season three mm-hmm. um, I. I was like, oh God, I'm going to, I planned on being there a while, even though it didn't work out, but I knew I had to learn how to fish like real quick. So Mm -hmm. I started getting into fishing and I was making hand lines and doing all this stuff and doing, um, what the heck were they called? Uh, Just like, like I learned how to use a fishnet Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, these certain traps, I forget the name of them where you, from one line to another, like trot lines. Yes. Yeah, trot lines. Mm -hmm. Anyway, whatever. So I still, I had no clue what I was doing, but I'm just like researching all this stuff, practicing and Bobby was like, why don't you call Carl? So all I knew is that I was going to be in Argentina. And I had like one or two, uh, like I think they said there was like one fish that would be there. So that was the information that I gave him. He's like, oh, give me a couple of days. I'll, I'll try to get you some info. So he goes on whatever he does in the you know Google Maps Huge air. I mean, you know, I don't know. This is freaking the whole country. Mm-hmm. He comes back. He's like, I narrowed it down to these two places. You're either going to be at this lake or at this lake because of the elevation that you gave me. And this, these wow. are the fish that are here at the time you're going to be. These are the fish. This is the lure that you want to use. You can make it with this. You can do this. You can do that. Um, if this is the lake, then these are the spots that you want to fish in. These are the, you know, where the water, all this, I don't remember exactly what he said or even close, but I was like, what? And it was a long, like, description and i was like this guy's a wizard and and it ended up being one of those lakes wow it was crazy yeah and i was like this guy i mean talk about someone who's an expert you know mm-hmm. um and i'd actually love to talk to him sometime on the show i don't know it might last like eight minutes because i just you know don't know anything about fishing but that's not true um but he, he's someone that 
you know, he lives with his wife out there. They have a child, and they like totally 100% live off the land. Maybe 90%. That's incredible. It's yeah. it's a great. Yeah. I don't want to go on and on because there's details that I don't know. I know they go out and visit him sometimes, and mm-hmm. he takes some fishing. And you know, I met him at Bobby's wedding a few years back. But um, yeah, he's just a cool guy that I want to. I, I will. Uh, send you his stuff and like what he does and I, I think you might dig it i would love that cool. because there's so many factors that go into fishing and you gave him like some coordinates in the yeah. country but also what what season is it going to be all right what yeah what type of fish species is it what are they biting at what are they going for you know yeah. it's there's all sorts of things that go into it and fly fishing's fun that way especially when you go to different areas because like in montana a big thing is they eat grasshopper and I'm like, that's so weird. We, yeah. They don't eat grasshopper here in Pennsylvania because they don't really are not by the water. And yeah. I'm like, that wouldn't work. And then I walked along Montana and I was walking along the brush there along the river. Yeah. And all these grasshoppers, I was kicking the brush, jump out and land into the river. Oh. And I see these fish jumping up for them. And I'm like, oh my goodness. It <laughs> is. They are going for grasshopper. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool that you, you pick up on that. Um, Bozeman's them. That's pretty cool. I was out there. Actually, my friend Bobby, he went to Montana State and I like yeah. for, for a little bit. And I went to visit him out there and we did some cool hot springs. I don't know if you visited the hot springs out there at all. There's a really cool one, like not too far. No, and it was weird. I didn't really have an itinerary. I just yeah. kind of went there and just kind of went to different areas. But I see why they call it Big Sky. Yeah. You know, Big Skyland. Because I sure. went there and I looked at that sky and I'm just like, oh, yeah. well, my. We have a beautiful country. There's so many great places. And that was, man, that was amazing. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, Montana's weird because it's like it's beautiful, but then you got like a lot of rattlesnakes out there. Mm-hmm. You got potentially grizzly bear, like just a whole. There's a there's it's different. I was in a like the upper part of Yellowstone there fishing, and I saw the signs for like grizzly bear, and I said I'll I'll be here during the day, and then I'm gonna hightail it out of here when it starts. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I know it's uh that's a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I want to at least mention this. Um, like you said a, a while back. Um, like, or you get your ideas when you fish. I get my ideas when I mountain bike. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, the one idea that I came to you with this year was a basically a combination of an organization that you're part of at mm-hmm. our school called Minithon, which mm-hmm. people that go to Penn State know about Thon, raising money for pediatric cancer research right. yep. and mm-hmm. some other things, but mainly that. Yeah, it's for pediatric cancer research. Yeah. And also for the families involved, yeah. Because think about the financial stresses of those families when their child is diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. So it helps them financially as well, and also goes into research. It's through the Penn State program, and they have it down to the high schools called Minithon. So yes. the Penn State College is Thon. We are Minithon, yeah, right. for the high school. And and kids of um, in your club are awesome. Um, anyway, I was a couple months ago. I was riding my bike, and I I know that I. I work with this other organization called Link Crew, which is a mentorship leadership program. We roughly have 100 students, and I've always thought in my head, like, man, if I could just, why am I not doing more? Why don't I just get all 100 students to raise $100 and, you know, let's put that $10,000 to a great cause. It's not a lot for each person to do, so it just clicked with me. I'd recently worked with you and Jen at the one of the tailgate football games mm-hmm. in the beginning, and I was inspired by your kids and I was inspired by you guys and I've always liked you guys. And I was like, what the heck? Let's 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 put something together. It came to me on my bike. I was like, Linkathon, which mm-hmm. is kind of a corny name, but it's whatever. I just meshed the two together. So on the idea is that on March 16th, all of the kids that raise the hundred dollars will go to um, basically a spot in Philadelphia and walk five or six miles to the art museum and 
Hopefully everyone's dressed up as Rocky. And at the end, we do the Rocky run up Definitely. the stairs. And, yes. You know, we're kind of like in a, um, a spot right now where a lot of kids are signed up, but we're trying to get more kids to sign up. And the goal is for everyone to raise um, $100 each. Mm-hmm. And I think we have like, I, I think we have about 100 kids signed up and we're capping it at 150. Right. So yeah, it's something like that. I'm, I've been working pretty hard to get kids. Sometimes kids just forget and this, you know, you got to just give the reminders and stuff, keep them on track. So it's not like, you know, March 1st and they don't have anything in there. So I think we still, we already have about 1400, I want to say in there. So we're starting to move a little bit. And I know we were talking about maybe getting a registration table out there. And uh, yeah, it's just cool to do that, that kind of work. When you brought the idea to us and we had worked with you guys at the gold out tailgate, gold and out, like yeah. you and, um, Karen Cassidy, the other Link Crew teacher, I'm like, man, it'd be so cool to combine forces. Yeah. And when you brought that to us and to do a walk, I just thought, man, that would be <laughs> so neat to do that and end on the steps. It's just, it's powerful. I yeah. just think that would be a cool event yeah. for us to do. And it, so we're excited. It's like one of those things, like I already see it in my head, like, but kids don't see it sometimes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I try to like recreate it or not recreate it because it happened yet, but like, I try to get them to envision it so that they can start to maybe feel a little bit of what I feel. Cause I know everyone that goes will be empowered and like, it could be a really special moment, right. um, a special day. I just hope that, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm just hope that we, it all comes together and, and things work out. So we're, we're on a good track. So I like the, um, you were talking about the idea of getting happiness through giving. I remember you had mentioned that and yeah. I like that we're trying to present that to the kids as well. Um, and so I think that that is something that we're reaching across to them about, about how this is for a bigger picture. Yeah. And it's cool for them to learn that at such a young age. Yeah. I'm and glad so, you said that. That's, yeah. That's I remember you had mentioned that. And I thought there's a Maya Angelou quote when you, what is it? When you give, you get, and when you get, you give. So by doing that, it's like a thing of when you're, when you get something, yeah. you give it. And so, and then when you give something, you get something out of it. Yeah. So it's just really a a cool thing of terms of being charitable. And there's so many great causes out there. Yeah, for sure. And I just love what we're doing. That I got um, some people from um, Janssen under Johnson & Johnson. They're going to come and walk with us. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's really, really a cool event. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Um, We need to touch base and get some stuff together and start, um, you know, yeah, pushing the envelope a little bit, but Definitely. just to keep everybody on track and um, <clears throat> get things happening. But you ever going to move back to California? <laughs> People always ask that, and I'm just like, I'm so happy where I am right now. Good. Megan's uh, mom is funny because she's like, you're not going to take my daughter to California, are you? <laughs> and when we went out there to visit, you guys are going to come back, right? And I'm like, yes, we're going to come back. We love it here. Yeah. Like I said, I love the snow. I do feel bad because my family is out there, yeah. but they've loved coming out. And, uh, you know, some people stay, some people go. It's yeah. just depending on, you know, where where you're at in life. And uh, I've ended up, you know, make, making my roots here. And right now I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, um, what do your parents do out there? So they're retired. My mom was a school teacher. Okay. So I was, I was raised by a school teacher, okay. <laughs> put it to you that way. Yep. And then uh, my dad owned his own biz- vending business. And now they're retired, and my dad had a dream. Think about pursuing your dreams and inspiring you. He used his retirement money, and he got a house with 70 vines, and he grows wine now. (laughs) I can't make this up. Wow. Yeah, and so he has a petite Syrah that he's grown now over the last four years. It's getting better and better each year. 
and he's out there in the wineries. And uh, when I come out there, he puts me to work out in the fields there. That's cool. And away we kind of go. And yeah, <laughs> it's a cool thing of something that he kind of always wanted to do and couldn't do it till he was retired. And, you know, yeah. had, a, had a few bucks in his pocket and then away he went. And yeah. he's got this cool little little retirement gig that he's been doing. So he... he um I don't know much about wine, but he sells it to wineries, or he's in the process of he, hoping they can. He does it. it. He does not sell it. It's it's more of just like a hobby with him in terms of like the LLC and getting the liquor license yeah. and all that. And he loves the science that goes into it. But no, he doesn't sell it. We just give him away. We give him away to friends and all that, and we just enjoy it. And That's he's at awesome. a point where he can do that, and I yeah. think it's awesome that you know he's doing that. That's cool. I hope to someday uh, sample one of those. I don't need a bottle, just a, a little bit, you know. When I tell people to, if you're ever in Temecula again, yeah. let me know. Go up to my parents' house. They'll wine and dine you. They'll take you through the <laughs> fields. Just say you know me, and away you go. That's and awesome. uh, it's that Italian American hospitality. They'll 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 take care of you. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's funny because I'll see you at school, and then like I don't know. I don't think of it. Maybe I'll see you drive out, wave to you, and then like like that night or something, or the next night I see you like in California, like working in a winery or walking around some vines in the background. I'm like, what the heck? That's, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, a couple other things before we get out of here. Oh, has there ever been somebody, two things I want to ask you before we wrap this up. Is there anybody, um, I don't know, outside of, I guess, anyone we've talked to or even your parents, um, was there someone in your life, obviously there's an obvious answer to this, but um, anyone that's inspired you in a different way, I guess, than than we've talked about today? Is there anyone that um, even recently that you see in your life that makes you see the world in a better way or has sort of shaped the way that you think as a leader or think as a person or I don't know, is there, I, I'm, I always look to find people like this that maybe you would, you would mention because I, I, I just want to know what their characteristics are and what characteristics you maybe have modeled from them or you envied or you were like, wow, I want to be more like that. Has there been someone, obviously, Catherine, great one, mm -hmm. any, any other outside of family kind of people? Yeah, I was lucky. I, and I really only known him because it was for my student teaching in San Diego. Mm -hmm. I did student teaching, uh, and he was a amazing. He was a marine bio and bio teacher, Harold Dorr, and he okay. retired, and uh, he's out and living retired. He rides his motorcycle around out in California. Cool. But he was an amazing leader to me, and I saw how kids connected with him, and he was a very smart guy. He went to um, Scripps Institute of Oceanography. He got his master's there. He was a big scuba diver, and the way he got kids passionate about school mm -hmm. and work, he would get them to dive into science and get into the concept. And even those kids like we were talking about earlier that are not super into, he taught me a lot of terms of having structure in the classroom and having rules set up in the classroom. And then once you have those rules and structure, being okay to break those rules. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Which sounds like, you know, wait, you just set up rules <laughs> and now you're going to break them. Yeah. Well, again, that's where – because you want to set up where the students know yeah. what they have to do. Yep. But when they start going on their path, letting them go and let them find their path. So yeah. sometimes you have to break your guidelines or rules in terms of allowing them to pursue. If you have them engaged, hmm. that's number one, to get them engaged. You know, yeah. And that's the challenge of it. Yeah. yeah. And so I remember him teaching me that. And I always thought about that. And it's like – 
rules are important, but a lot of times they can just be guidelines because it's it's not a black and white issue. It's sometimes dependent on each student, individualized learning, each kid, each thing of what they're going through. Yeah. So yeah, it was interesting for him to create guidelines and rules and then break those rules. Yeah, uh, that's, that's cool. I, I know that it is important to have the like that structure set up. If you don't set it up in the beginning, right. like, you'll never get it back and, mm-hmm. and uh, to, to be able to set them free and, and find their passion and stuff like that. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, you mentioned scuba diving. Um, are you certified to scuba dive? No, it's something that I've thought about. I've snorkeled. I've done all that. Yeah. And it's something that I think would be, you know, my passion for science and like, you know, life and being out in you know the outdoors yeah. it's something that i've always thought about and i've gotten into boats lately with with megan we've gotten into cool. we've done some you know sailing charters and oh, you know wow. stuff like that and so we did a trip to the caribbean which was just awesome. awesome i had never been to the caribbean being on the west coast we never we we did i did hawaii once but yeah to do the caribbean and i remember people were diving but we just did the snorkeling and loved it that's great but to see that you know the different fish and the different the whole ecosystem oh, yeah. down there i just think that's another thing it's living life there's like passions that you know you can always pursue and that's always that's another one for me that yeah. i want to try there's um i only ask you because i'm actually doing it soon um because we're going to my friends and i we do a trip every year somewhere in somewhere in the u.s or the world we're going to this island it's called the azores you ever hear that no i did not hear of it either um it's off the coast of portugal but pretty far off the coast it's wow. like in the middle of the atlantic but uh Three of the six guys that I go with are uh, certified. Oh, cool. So it was only like $92 to do this dive there, um, but you have to be certified. So I was like, yeah, sign me up and I'll get it. So like at least two, maybe all three of us that aren't certified are going to get certified. So we're doing it around here, either in at the place in actually up near you, either Harleysville or the, um, the one in Horsham underwater world so i'll let you know so it's something that yeah works you so you never scuba dive before nope see i think that's another thing too that snorkel a lot i love yeah snorkeling. i love diet free diving holding my breath i can hold my breath for a good i i love doing that so yeah see that see that inspires me i love people that try new things yeah and you are such one of those guys that's like i'm gonna do a podcast i'm yeah. gonna you know and you and you do it you know, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna go on a reality show and you do it. You yeah. know, and then it's like I'm gonna go scuba diving. I've never done and you just yeah do it. It's it's inspiring. Oh, it's something thanks, that man. really and I think the kids and everyone digs that. That yeah. is something that's thanks. you're experiencing life. And yeah. it's like you just tell me that right now. I'm just like, that's so awesome. It's like yeah. I would be terrified to do that. And he's <laughs> he's gonna face his fears and he's gonna do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, well, I'll let you know. Maybe you'll do it too if you yeah. If you, yeah. It's uh, I think it's like uh, somewhere around 600, 700 bucks, whatever. But it, you're certified forever. That's so cool. And yeah. then it's, it's pretty cool. I might get my um my oldest son to do it. John, you didn't meet him today because he was at his friend's house, but uh See how that works out with his wrestling schedule. So. Yeah, that's so cool. And then you're giving them that experience. Yeah, that's yeah. what I said. Like, what would my life be like if somebody, when I was 14, got me certified to scuba dive and maybe took me on a few trips here and there? Who knows? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, well, anyway, man, um, I want to thank you for coming in today. I uh, love talking to you. I've been wanting to have you on here for a while. And the fact that we had this... Um, awesome day off to honor Martin Luther King Jr. And we also mm-hmm. got a chance to talk about some of the, you know, struggles and successes and all the things that you've been through. Um, mm-hmm. It's It's been a pleasure and I really appreciate everything you're doing, man. You're a great positive energy everywhere you go. Everyone loves you, students. And um, I'm 
happy to call you my friend and, and glad we have the opportunity to work together for X amount of years. It's such an honor to be on something like this. It's such a cool experience. So you're saying experiencing new things. This yeah. has been a, a cool thing. So thank you, Jim. This is awesome. Yeah. Well, time to go out and uh, get your fishing rod ready and, and check out the backyard. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> If you have a great mentor or leader that you would like to be considered for the show, email us at theleadernextdoor10 at gmail.com. Also, check us out on Instagram at leadernextdoor and our new YouTube channel at The Leader Next Door. And as Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. Have a great week, everyone.